0: difference on a trapeze is you're hanging from it and the cable is extremely long there's a lot of timing that is involved in swinging on a trapeze so it's very complicated it's very complex very hard to learn and i was fortunate that i was able to you know it was kind of natural for me i was able to fly really high very quickly Uh, I, i worked hours and hours on the trampoline so you have to learn how to fall in the net you have to learn how to you know awareness in the air you need to know where you are it's pretty dangerous stuff i mean you do have yeah. a net but it's very dangerous still uh and um you know after six months of doing it i was catching a double somersault uh so i learned how to be a catcher first and then i learned how to fly uh, and then i just couldn't get enough of it uh, i was doing hours of I mean, every
1: day uh, I was just talking. And, um, welcome everybody to a n- new episode of BNAS Business Chats, Three Guys Podcast. Uh, today's guest is going to really have a fascinating story to share. Uh, today, Florent Fujiruz joins us. Joins us. How do I do, Flo? Not bad. Not bad. <laughs> Very impressive. <laughs> I, knew, I knew I was going to screw that. But if you listen to any of our episodes, you know I usually flub almost every single one of the intros. So, I want to do sort of a, a short intro, of Flo, because I think um, he's got such a fascinating story.
0: And you have to tell people that, you know, you said Florent Foujerouz, uh, but I go by Flo, because nobody can pronounce my name.
1: That's true. That's, right. And oh, no, no one can pronounce it properly. <laughs> yeah, there's the, right. fr- there's the French way and the English it's way. It's easier. It's just easier. Exa- exa- exactly. So... So uh, first I want to share with how I kind of, how I, how I know Flo. Um, Flo, I've probably known you 10, 15 years at least. Uh Whether it was back in our early Starwood days, I was living in Connecticut. I think you were working in Connecticut, one of the casinos, Mohegan, yep. son. Mohegan. And I was working in um, Greenwich. I think I got to know you there. And then I, moved, I think we've kind of stayed in, stayed in touch and you worked for Hilton for a time and we traveled together, which is really where, um, I got to know a little bit of your, of your story. And uh, what I was going to share with Derek and Brett is when you're when, when you when you're in sales and you travel sort of in a, in a group, you get to know people a little bit. And some people, like, you just kind of tell stories, like pretend stories, and no one kind of catches it. And some people tell stories that are kind of boring and, you know, they're kind of true, kind of like my story, not too much. This, you know, I have nothing huge significantly. But when you hear what your, your, your personal journey – it's one of the most fascinating ones that uh, I think I've heard within within our my my groups that I that I've traveled the country in over the last 20 years. So so let's get let's get started. Are you ready to we usually have some fun. We usually have some yeah. fun before we, before we before we get rolling. So um, share with me your favorite European city that you've visited and why.
0: city oh, I would say e- e- equally uh, in the south of France or Italy, you know, all those cities like Nîmes in France or even Rome, where you have all those Roman ruins. As a as a as a kid, my mom used to take us, uh, my sister and I, to Italy on vacation often every year, and we used to go to those cities and visit those Roman ruins, uh, which is fascinating. You know, the the history we have in Europe is very different from from the history here, but it goes up. It goes back thousands of years, and it was, you know, even as a kid, it was fascinating to me to to run through those cities, those old cities, ancient cities that are ruins, basically, and just uh, it just was talking to me, and and uh, it was always fascinating to me, and uh, there was always a connection. So I would say those cities in Europe are probably the uh, probably the most the ones that talk the most to me. Yeah,
1: I remember in high school. When my brother was in high school, his senior year, he did a um, he did a year in Thessaloniki. If I'm pronouncing it right in Greece, and um, he he compared like the history of where he was to the, D, the history of people in DC. It's like thousands of years versus hundreds of years, right? You know, so it's just it's and I've I freely I've never freely I should admit I've never been to Europe. Um, it's high up on my list to do once we start our full travel. Again, which we're getting closer and closer to, so I'm expecting hopefully. Well, now you, now it's open. It's you don't have uh, you can travel
0: to Europe without having to test. No, oh,
1: no, I know So, which is great because we're actually doing a cruise at the end of the year. One of the reasons we're doing it because they're, they're they're relaxing some of the restrictions, but um, just with kids and stuff and work, as you know, it's so very hard to travel for more than a week. And I feel like if you go to some of these. Places you need you need more time than a week. I think to really relax and enjoy everything. I remember when I went to Hawaii. Like we went to Hawaii on our honeymoon. We went for two weeks. I can't imagine going to Hawaii for a week. You know, I feel like once you go someplace, it takes a couple of days to kind of relax and then sort of appreciate where you are. So you know, maybe two weeks, maybe maybe ten days. So once I can do that, I can be gone for that long. I'm I'm gonna do it. And I think it's going to be um, Paris. I think that's going to be the first place.
0: Well, I was just thinking, you know, the second city, I guess, the number city would be Paris. I spent a lot of time in Paris.
1: I thought you going to answer, say.
0: To answer your question still. Uh, yeah, Paris is very special. Uh, it's a big city like any other big city, but, you know, unique in its own way. Uh, I spent a lot of time there, lots of, lots of history as well, uh, lots of culture, different cultures different kinds of foods. Very, very cool city.
1: Yeah, it's, it's probably number one on my list. So, um, different question on a different subject. And it came up on an episode that we were doing, I think, last year about, about the Brownie. Oh, Alma House. So, share with me, <laughs> share with our listeners, without, without feeling like you're representing that hotel, which I know is when you did it. But share with us the truth about the founding of the Brownie.
0: You know, I'm going to mess it up because it's been a while now. Gosh. Uh, no, I think, you know, that story is fascinating. Uh, the Palmer house was invented in at the Palmer house. And if I get this, this, the years right, 1874 or something like that, I I may not be exactly right, but it's, uh, well, first of all, the Palmer house was built, I believe, in 1871 or something like this, or maybe just off by a few years. Uh, and then 13 days later, it burned in the Great Chicago Fire. So if you f- look for the Great Chicago Fire, you have the right year. Uh, they rebuilt the hotel uh, across the street. Uh, anyway, and um, so that was just a little snippet of the story here. But anyway, the the, the, the during the World's Fair in the late 1800s, uh, in the late 1800s, they, uh, um, Bertha Palmer uh, asked the chef to come up with a treat that uh, the guests could take with them to the uh, to the fair, and the chef came up with uh, a sheet of like chocolate cake or whatever you want to call it. Uh, and he, co- he called it the brownie. And uh, it was invented there. Uh, and then they perfected the recipe. I mean, the, the the brownie is not just brownie by itself. You have like nuts on top of it. Uh, it's served with vanilla ice cream. It's it's unbelievable. It is so good. And I think you and I have probably had some, because every time we would go on sales calls, I would have brownies with me. So yeah, it's a fascinating story. You look it up online. It's very cool. It. It's true. I did. True I googled story.
1: it. It's true. Yeah. It's true. I forget where I forget, I forget the episode that it came up or, or where we were talking about we so in this if you listen to our past episodes flow, there's three things that we love. Three specific things. Well, there's more than three, but at least three. One of them is food, the second one is travel, and the third is movies. So those are the three common denominators of, of almost all of our shows. You know, we've done pizza quizzes with we had on a local newscaster uh, from here in Boston. We had some fun with her on pizza so i don't know if it was there if it was another episode but um so here's my here's my last uh of so my last question then we'll then we'll uh, we'll we'll get going you've i mean you've traveled all over man Does anyone who's traveled with you i know we just talking about europe but um resort resort trip resort destination where is that one place that you can't wait to get back to morocco never been tell tell us about morocco
0: yeah uh, oh uh, morocco because uh, you know, I was telling you that Italy talked to me, but, uh, Morocco talked to me even more. And actually, I have Moroccan blood. My great grandfather was from, uh, was a Tuareg. Tuaregs are from the, the Atlas Mountains in, uh, it's very really remote in Morocco, close to the, the Algerian border. Uh, it's actually in the Sahara Desert. So they know, you know, uh, actually I have a, my own outfit. I have a, a, a blue gelaba, which is kind of a dress that you wear in the desert uh and i have a shash, ch- which is the the thing they wear on top it's blue uh if you look at the Tuareg, if you if you google Tuareg on uh in morocco you'll see the the way that you know what they wear anyway my my grandpa uh, my great grandfather was a Tuareg from morocco and for that area where i was actually and uh it was very i don't know it's a place on earth where i just was very relaxed very i don't know it was very hard to describe but it, uh I just love being there. The culture was amazing. Uh, you know, you, 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 uh, it, it, the place I was was called Wazazat and it's all like it's, it's all in the desert. So it, it looks like the moon a little bit, but, and then it's, it, you know, it's, you have a wise oasis and, uh, and then you have the, the desert, the desert with the, the sand, the Sahara desert. Uh, it's very its variety of of, of, of landscapes. Uh, actually, Hollywood has studio. They have studios. Hollywood studios there. They film movies such as a famous movie that was filmed there. The Gladiator uh, was filmed there. Um, and uh, you know they have what, what they call kasbas. They, they they like a castle in muds, in, in built with in mud, and it's, it's just the, the architecture is amazing. The people are amazing. It feels like you're living 400 years ago. Uh, there's a lot of poverty, uh, but the, the, the people, you know, uh, the, the people are just amazing. They, 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 everybody is so nice. Uh, it was such a great experience being there. Uh, I remember, you know, a story from Morocco that actually stayed with me since I was there back in 94, 95. And... Um, so a, a good friend of mine, his name is Mokhtar. is a, uh, he was a, uh, he, he owns about three antique stores. He was born there. And I used to go at night, uh, in front of his store on the carpets and we, we, we used to have minty and just chat. And, you know, the language there is, is uh, Arabic and French. So we would speak in French. And one night, so this is actually, Uh, I don't want to mess up the year. I think it was actually 1997, sorry, it was 1997. I want to say the year because it's important in the story. Uh, And we were looking at the star that night. And so Mokhtar is asking me, he's looking at the star and telling me how growing up in a desert, he was able to find his way by looking at the stars. And I'm like, oh, that's very cool. And this guy, before I tell, finish the story, you have to understand that this guy speaks five languages. He has a three antique store and is extremely successful. He's doing business with Hollywood. Hollywood is renting, they, he's renting his house to the Hollywood producers. Mm. They get all the props for the movies from his stores. He's just, he has a lot of money. He's very smart, very, very smart. He speaks five languages, but he doesn't know how to write and doesn't know how to read. Oh, you very wow. interesting. Wow. And then we're looking at the stars and he's like, oh, okay, you know, I know how to find my way by looking at the stars in the desert. I'm like, oh, this is very cool. And then he looks at me and he's like, where is the end of the world? And I'm like, what? What, what do you mean the end of the world? He's like, yeah, you know, when there's no more earth. And I'm, uh, I'm what? I'm 27 years old. <laughs> he's probably 30. <laughs> it's 1997. The guy is telling me that the earth is flat and he's wondering where the end of the earth is. And he's the most successful, one of the most successful person I know in business. Wow. And I was like, well, the earth is round. He's like, what? Like he couldn't understand. I had, I had to call my mom in France and I had her send me a globe overnight. Well, actually back in the, we didn't overnight at the time. <laughs> uh anyway it took maybe a few days but uh he sent me a globe and i gave it to him as a gift and it was you know for me the the lesson from that from that night was you you know you can't take things for granted it's just you know it's it's you you're always gonna have things like that happen and it's just amazing how you learn from it Mm -hmm. and uh and even though he doesn't know how to write he doesn't know how to read he doesn't know the earth is round. Is still able to be do business with Hollywood.
1: <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. You know, you know, what's interesting though, we're actually, um, we're going to do an episode on, on travel. Like and I, when I, when I say travel, like really unique experience travel, like what you just, almost what you just described. Um, I met a gentleman uh, a year ago who, he deals with incentive groups, incentive travel. And he was telling me a trip he took to like, the Sahara desert or wherever. And like, Feeding the, feeding the animals or whatever, and you know he said the people that you meet there they've never left where they live ever, and some of them are in their fifties right. and sixties, and you know it's it's you know or have you know they don't travel. There's no reason to travel. That's not their life, you know. So and anyway, we're gonna I'm, I'm gonna do an episode about that kind of travel and the people that you meet right. when you go to these places and how interesting they are.
0: He um, took he took me to the Sahara Desert. I went with him. Uh, we drove through the sand uh, to the a beautiful place called Merzuga. The the dunes are like mountains. You know, what I, you know
1: you know what I'm picturing is the Star Wars the Star Wars episode where they filmed that very first Star Wars that's what my mind would right. have. Right, what you're describing, I don't know.
0: That's what I'm. Yeah, it's uh, it, it just surreal. You can't even believe it until you see it for, for like, the mountains. You, you're in the car and you, you drive Oh, there's mountain mountains. You're thinking, you know, Atlas Mountains. You know, it's not. It's sand. sand dunes. <laughs> like, wow. Yeah, and then you try to go to. You try to walk to walk on top of it. It takes forever because you, you get you know you sink as you go up. Right. It just uh, it is fascinating uh that experience in Morocco. I just, you know, uh, and then I was in Marrakesh as well for a little bit. But very, very cool place to go to be. Yeah.
1: So let's so let's get started a little bit about you um, in your in your story. There's so much to, to share, and we probably won't be able to cover it all. If we have you back for the. Uh... The luxury travel episode we'll uh, cover more of it luxury
0: so, travel <laughs> luxury travel with camels in a side uh, yeah that's exactly
1: no, no, no. luxury is <laughs> the wrong word i think exp- luxury is the wrong word i'm thinking more of like experience travel or whatever so uh, a friend a friend of mine just to, to just to kind of one last thing on this uh, a friend a friend of our shows he he had himself dropped off um from a helicopter in alaska in the brush and he stayed like a tent or something that's kind of the stuff that i'm talking about like again luxury is the wrong word well i have have stories
0: about uh i have a story about the camels in the Sarah Desert. i cannot tell you on the podcast but Uh, uh, (laughs) the the stuff i'm telling you the stuff you see it is um (laughs) it's crazy it's it's uh, yeah when you travel
1: but um yeah it's it's i'm I'm looking for more the more i i dig into it and see the pictures because pictures tell a thousand, a thousand words. Um, there was a movie, there was a movie that uh, Ben Stiller did a couple of years ago. Um, Walter, Walter Mitty, I forget what the full name was. something, Walter Mitty, but he's basically worked for um, not national geographic, but I forget the name of the magazine that he worked for. He took, and he was the, he was the, the, um, he was the film guy. Like he developed the film. And Sean Penn was the photographer and he would send him a So long story short about this is, is he's doing the last episode of the, sorry, the last published magazine. And then it just talk, it just, they go to all these unbelievable places. They go to like um, Afghanistan they go to all these unbelievable places in film. And it's just one of those, one of those things when you watch it, you're like, Oh my God, I got to get on, a, I got to get on a plane and go to these places. So, So let's get going for, let's talk, talk about growing up. You were born in, in, um, France. Talk, talk about growing up, growing up there.
0: Wow. Yeah. Growing up in, in France, in the Alps was, was amazing. Uh, it was, and then, you know, I grew up in the seventies in France. So that was the time where, uh, you, you know, you, I would come back from school and, uh, and I would be outside. I would spend my entire afternoon outside in the woods, uh, with my friends. We were, we, no, we didn't have the technology at the time, so we were always out. Uh, so depending on the season, it would be in the woods or it would be skiing or it would be, you know, uh, I was lucky enough one year for a whole summer, I had a horse, I had my own horse. It was a lot of fun. Um, but, you know, we, you know, I had the opportunity to grow up skiing on the you know biggest ski area in the world. Uh, it was just right on my you know in my background. I just could get out of my house, and the lift was right there, and I had access to over 500 slopes. Uh, so we had a lot you know a lot of places to go. Uh, I, I grew up playing ice hockey as well. So I played the uh, I played. I mean, uh, we were traveling a little bit with that team. Uh, it was remote. You know, it's yeah. So Albert, I was born in Albertville, which is uh, Olympics in 1992, if people remember. And uh, so we had, we, you know, uh, there was competition there. It was fun to be part of that as well. That was just before, uh, I, you know, this was in 92. I left France in 94. Uh, uh, but the, the whole experience of growing up in the Alps was was amazing. So I said it was remote in the sense that. Um, you know, when you grew up in the Alps, you really grew up to become either a ski instructor or work the ski lift, basically. So uh, I had the opportunity, uh, age 14, to actually go and learn more than, you know, than that. And went to the city, uh, started learning, you know, music, uh, learned how to play the saxophone. Uh, and I realized at that time that leaving the mountain and going to the city, there was a big difference in the, for the school level. So it was, it was a little bit painful at the beginning because I was definitely not at the level where I should have been. Uh, so I had to work very hard to be able to, you know, to, 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 uh, follow and, and be, you know, uh, be the best I could be at school. Uh, but it was a great opportunity for me to do this, to, to, to really, you know, it opened the, my horizons a little bit and, uh. And, you know, from there, I never looked back. And I think that from that first move, I I started to see what was out there and I just never looked back. Uh, Growing up in the Alps, people always ask me, you know, and I'm in Connecticut. Like, you know, I tell I'm from the Alps, why are you doing it in Connecticut? Mm. Um, Why are you in Connecticut? You know, you always always want what you don't have, right? Uh, But I mean, the Alps are beautiful beautiful uh I, I you know i, I wouldn't give it anything that I, you know I, I wouldn't do it any other way what happened for me growing up growing up there in france very lucky to be there amazing family uh lots of love lots of lo- you know lots of fun and lots of great experiences um but you know, I just wanted more. I just, you know, I, I, every time I would travel, go, you know, go to the next city or the next country, I could, just couldn't get enough. I just, uh, I, I needed to see more. I needed to be part of what's out, what was out there. For me, going back is kind of going backwards, if it makes sense. Mm-hmm.
1: So you, so you grew up, it was interesting is that you, on, you know, on your bio, is you went to school. Well, let me let me back up I know you through hotel sales you're, you're as sales executive you're by far one of the best sales people that i've been around what watching you and, and do what you do has always been been impressive and I, and I mean that um sincerely but you, i look at what you went to school for what's funny is I didn't go to school for hotel restaurant management either but I did go over like for like marketing or PR or whatever is it whatever it was back then you were you were a sound engineer and Theater. So talk a little bit about that part of your life and going to school for, for, for that and, yeah, not, and uh, transitioning into the hotel world.
0: Well, my family, uh, you know, they never really went to college. You know, uh, they didn't. I don't think they finished high school anyway, uh, most of them. Uh, and then I finished high school. And, and then I didn't know what to do next because I was never pushed to go to college. You know, in the U.S., it's all about the college, right? Uh, yeah. So for me, the goal was high school and uh and then after when i graduated from high school i was just like okay what's next and then what's next was college and i didn't know what i wanted to do i didn't know i I had no idea you know uh, then when you're going to hear what i did after you wouldn't imagine what i've <laughs> <that's>, anyway <laughs> i didn't know what i was going to do and and i didn't know until i was you know, a lot, lot older anyway but um so i and actually i remember once uh one day um I went to a store and I saw this mixing table uh, and I thought it was a very cool gift for me for Christmas. So my mom got that for me and I had a mixing table and I was very excited about it. I thought it was great. You could mix sound. You know, this was when in the, uh, in the eighties, <laughs> late eighties. And, um, and so I started putting my turntables, ta- no, turn is that how you say it? Yeah, the turntables, is that how you call it? turntables with the, yeah, with the rec- yeah. vinyl records yeah, turntables. yeah, you got yeah I, p- I plugged them in and I started mixing stuff and I had my records and, and I was like spinning and be- and I became a DJ you know uh, I was I had my own DJ business uh, I also had two radio shows on two different radio stations I was just really into that stuff and then as I was looking what I was going to do I was like you know I love sound I love that stuff I want to learn more about it and I found a school in Lyon and Paris uh to learn how to become a sound engineer. And there was part also as uh there was theater. I mean, I did theater in high school and uh it's basically I actually I did theater in high school. Uh, when I went to college it was mostly sound and light. Uh it was just the techniques of theater. That's what they were calling it. But I did theater in high school. Um I did plays and all that. Uh but yeah, so when I went to, sc- to school, that was mostly sun and light, and I really enjoyed that. Uh, then I I you know I worked in a studio in Lyon. Uh, I did concerts, live concerts uh, between Lyon and Paris. Uh, it Was a lot of fun. And
1: you were, you had your own CD. Was it was yeah CD? I, I recorded oh gosh
0: I recorded a CD in Paris as a singer in a, in my from my best friend's studio. My best friend is still in Paris. And he's now a composer, actually composing music for movies, for French movies. Um, and then I recorded a, a, a CD in New York with a friend of mine, uh, Barbara, uh, which we met in Bora Bora, by the way. Uh, we were doing duets together, so we recorded a CD in New York. And
1: then I can't skip over the tra- being a trapeze artist. When did that get come into the... Because it, you're, you're doing theater and drama and music. And when did you transition over to... Uh,
0: well, I went to Club nah. Med. Yeah, I started traveling with Club Med as a sound engineer. So I was doing the sound for the shows. I was producing shows. I was performing as well. I was, So I was on stage and off stage as well. Um, and then I went to the Bahamas. And there was a flying trapeze. Uh, they were offering... Uh, you know, people could try flying trapeze and then they were doing shows. And uh, and I decided that, you know, I was going to try. I said, I wanted to give it a try. That's pretty cool. You know, you're not exposed to that kind of stuff every day, right?
1: And, and by, by uh, the way, and by that, i got to interrupt you for a second. Yeah. That was the story he would tell. To clients when we were together but this guy is not telling the truth he's just trying to get attention but the more we chatted the more legit he yet, came so i thought it was pretty cool so sorry go so go back uh, and to, you know that
0: uh, as when i was younger people would believe me but as i'm getting older now people don't believe me anymore so i have to uh have to show proof <laughs> which, which uh, we're yeah. gonna have to, i'm gonna need that for uh oh, yeah. so um uh, it actually just happened just earlier today. Yeah, it's so funny. Um, but yeah, so I decided I wanted to try and uh, I just couldn't stop doing it. I uh, It was, you know, it, it, it was the kind of thing where you, you, you start, you know, you just get hooked and, and I didn't, you know, so I just like, a, you know, I had no gymnastic backgrounds. I had... You know, my background was like, what, ice hockey and skiing, uh, soccer, <laughs> rugby. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I was saying I was fortunate to learn from, uh, from the best uh, in, in, in North America. It was, this was in the Bahamas with, with Club Mac. And uh, so you have to be – the swing is the hardest part when you, when you do the trapeze. Uh, and a lot of – it's very hard to learn when you're, an, when you're an adult. That's something you learn when you're a kid. Imagine if you're on the swing – when you're on the swing, on the regular swing, right? You pop up your swing. It's something that a lot of people can do. The difference on the trapeze is you are hanging from it. And the cable is extremely long. There's a lot of timing that is involved in swinging on a trapeze. So it's very complicated. It's very complex, very hard to learn. And I was fortunate that I was able to, you know, it was kind of natural for me. I was able to fly really high, very quickly. Uh, I, I worked hours and hours on the trampoline. So you have to learn how to fall in the net. You have to learn how to, you know awareness in the air you need to know where you are it's pretty dangerous stuff i mean you do have yeah. a net but it's very dangerous still uh and um you know after six months of doing it i was catching a double somersault uh so i learned how to be a catcher first and then i learned how to fly uh, and then i just couldn't get enough of it uh i was doing hours of it every day uh it was i was just hooked and um i went from there and i did that for, for several years
1: what would you, what would you compare the adrenaline rush that
0: you probably experienced? Oh gosh. You know, when you, you, you hold the bar before you're doing a big trick to the catch and you, your chest is just going like this. You see your heart beating, you know, but when you, when you, you know, first, so that sphere first is fear because, you know, it's dangerous, but at the same time, you know, you go and you do your trick and you come back on the board and you're like, wow, Hey, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how to compare it to, uh, I even did skydiving, and skydiving was nowhere near. Uh, I don't think that's the mo- the most rush that you can get. Um, my wife can tell you because she, my wife, we met on a flying trapeze in Turks, so she was doing that with me. So, oh, wow!
1: <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so you met. So, how high up would you
0: normally be? Well, the the trapezes we were using, uh, the board was at uh, the, the the highest A frame was thirty two feet. The board was at wow. 24, uh, but um, so when you were doing a trick, you were probably at 30, 30, between 30 and 32 feet. And then the net was at nine feet.
1: So did growing up in the Alps eliminate any fear of heights for you? Like, did you ever have any fear of heights? Oh, uh, no.
0: Yeah, no, never. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, in the Alps, you, you go on top of the mountain sometimes and you, like, walk on top and on, 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 and you look at each, you know, on the, one, the edge to the right and to the left, and it's, like, basically – you know, you don't want to fall basically. Yeah. <laughs> if you fall, you're dead. But uh, so uh, I never had the fear. Yeah. I mean, I used to. Uh, there was never an issue for me. Uh, the the fear of heights. It was more the fear of getting hurt, falling in the raid the wrong, falling, falling in the in the, on the net the wrong way, breaking your neck, or even hitting the, the catcher, which I did once, uh, doing a trick. Like the the one thing that you know, when you do a trick to the catch, if you let go the bar. A split second early, you're traveling forward towards the catcher. Uh, You have to let go of the bar when the ball is at peak, and that's the hardest thing to do because you you know you have to wait and wait and wait. Um, I did travel only once out of all the tricks I threw to the catch. Only once I traveled it, and you knew you knew like you. you, It's amazing the awareness, like you know it's happening. And um, so I had to. I think I was. I had to open up. And as I opened up in the air to slow the rotation, I hit the catcher in the eye with my foot. And then I eventually landed on the net. <laughs> in the, oh, net. Man. Uh, the catcher was holding his head and was swinging all over the place because I just hit him. Uh, he had a major bruise on his eye. And then he's, so I go down and I'm shaking and he's like, uh, go back up, go back up on the horse. I'm like, no. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah,
0: And I went back up and did it again. But I was the only time. I mean, uh, so those are scary. Those are the things, you know, it was not the fear of hype. It was the fear of, the only fear that I ever had was, was the fear of getting hurt.
1: And how many people, how many people would you perform in front of?
0: Uh, it could be as high as, well, it was hundreds of people sometimes. You know, we had villages at Club Med where we had like, you know, you could have five hundred guests. So, it could um, be hundreds or tens of people.
1: Flo, I I want to tell you that's on the list of things that people don't have to worry about. Me ever doing skydiving, obviously trapeze, anything with heights, man. I am not a heights person, and I travel a lot, but I'm in that airplane. I don't really like book or movie or whatever it is, so I don't I don't even try to pay attention to it. Um, So that's pretty, so I want before we get into what's going on in your life right now, I want to talk more about sort of your your journey because you've been all over the place and maybe we can go into more of some of these places you've, you've been to. I mean, do you, do you travel to, you know, you've been to Bora Bora, the Bahamas, you mentioned Switzerland, Mexico, you've talked about Morocco and met, you met about talking to your wife, met meeting your wife at Turks and Caicos and you've been to Canada, obviously. Um, what, are, what are some of your memories? What are your best memories from traveling? What, what's for someone that's been all over the place and has the mileage you have? What are, what are some of your memories of some of the places you've been to?
0: Well, I mean, I think, you know, I I, I couldn't, you know, I was traveling a lot. I couldn't get enough of it and because I think, you know, you, you know, traveling is amazing. It's amazing what it does to you. It just opens up your mind. It, it's just... Um, You know, there's the work where I'm at now, we have college kids that work with us uh, at Quarters Edge Resonance Spa in Connecticut. And we have, uh, in the summer, we have college kids that are working with us. And there was a kid, his name is Michael. And he went to uh, Italy last year for one of his, it was his third year of college. I went there for a few months. Actually, at the end of the summer last year. And uh, he came back, you know, this guy wanted to be a lawyer. And he came back, and he's like, uh, "I'm like, so it's your last year this year, you know? It's your last year now. Why you gonna be a lawyer?" He's like, "No, I don't want to be a lawyer." And I'm like, "What do you want to do?" He's like, "I don't know." And I'm like, "Oh, traveling to Europe messed you up." He's like, "Yeah." <laughs> it's 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 the that's the example of what it does to you. Like you start traveling, and just, it just opens up your mind, and all of a sudden you you don't know you know, you don't know what you want to do uh, to answer your question. You know, what was fascinating about the travel is just meeting all those different cultures. Yeah. You know, when we had we had like 130 different nationalities. Uh, you know, I was in Bora Bora. And my boss was from Brazil and he would, he was speaking five languages. I, I only speak one at the time. I was trying to speak English and he would speak to me in French. I'm like, no, you don't speak to me in French. You speak to me in English because I, at least I want to learn how to speak English. Mm. And this guy in six months learned how to speak Japanese. In, you know, there's a lot of Japanese people in Bora Bora. And he was able to just learn the language just like that. And, and, and you meet, so when you travel in you know, all those different places, you just meet different cultures. You learn, so you, you just like a sponge, you know, you're learning all this. You just, like I was saying about taking th- things for granted, you really, you don't take things for granted anymore. You just learn. You just you just mm-hmm. see how people react to things. And you learn from it. You see different cultures. You see how people do things. Um, and so you just you know, you just want more. You want to go so you know you mm-hmm. want to go somewhere else. You go somewhere and you you say okay well I, you know I want to see more. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I travel yeah I travel a lot and, and then I travel a lot for work. But interestingly enough, now that I have a family, you know, the traveling for work. When we were traveling to IMAX in Vegas and all that, I just I couldn't do it anymore because because now that I have a family, it's just I I just every time I would go to an event, it would be Nashville or Orlando or or Hawaii or or Vegas or the Bahama or what is it, Nassau, Atlantis, whatever it was, I'd just be like. I want to, I want to travel with my family. So now I want to travel yeah. still, but it's a different nature, no, yeah. a different perspective. Now I want to share that with my family. But so it's different. I'm at a different stage now, but uh, the, all the travel prior to that was all learning. You know, it was a learning process and uh, trying to see as much as possible because, because the more you see, the more you want to see.
1: And yeah. I, I agree. I agree with you a, a million percent. Um, because we weren't able to travel with my kids. Both both my kids um, have sensory issues. So it was hard to, for just hard to travel with them when they were babies. Uh, but as soon as they were old enough, so it was just before the pandemic started, we went to uh, Provincetown, which is a beautiful resort spot out here in Massachusetts. at the very tip of Cape Cod. Um, it, we, we were able to go there a couple times before the pandemic. And then we did that cruise in the Western Caribbean. So those were the two. And then we did some trips up north to uh, northern New England. But not like just to be able to experience these trips and it's not because business trips is, and we kind of joke about it. You're kind of at the hotel or in the, at the office, you know, you're not really able to enjoy so many of these beautiful things um, of, of these cities. So I think that's fantastic that when you go with your family, not only are you experiencing it, but your wife and your, and your, and your kids are. So, you know, for me, to, to be able to do that, and I and I fun, I love scrolling through the pictures because that we that we take. I'm totally a photo guy. I'm the one taking the, the selfies with my kids, and I'm guilty of doing that. Um, Derek and Brett would would would, would confirm that <laughs> that I do that a lot. But um honestly, I think that you can't take those kind of memories away. And I think it's fascinating that you lived in all these places, and I forgot about that. Something you because you lived and worked in all these locations, you just didn't go for a week. You actually were immersed within the community and um, the local culture and all. So, maybe talk a little further about ex- the experience of these different cultures and how they vary from each other.
0: Uh, it's I mean, I mean, if you look at uh, well, I spent a lot of time on the islands, which is uh, interesting, but. Uh, so I I, I think for, to answer your question, I have a good example. Uh, for instance, uh, the one thing that fa- that was fascinating to me that kind of hit me a little bit, like, for instance, when I was in Bora, uh, I was watching a movie with a Japanese person. And it was interesting to see the reaction. You know, like, we, we so when we watch a, a movie, we're like, oh, whatever. You know, whatever it is, it could be like a big... Uh, Stun or a big explosion or whatever it is we're like okay it's just a movie we're not we know we kind of like we've seen it been there done that and that person every time that was something would happen that person would be like oh Mm you know like in awe of everything Mm -hmm. so that person would take that movie Mm -hmm. and really enjoy every minute of it and i was like wow you know we don't do that you know mm-hmm. and 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 you learn from it you're like okay that person is really enjoying every moment of that mm-hmm. of that moment of watching a movie mm-hmm. and we don't and it's just like you know so that that, that was you know that's a culture that's different because it, they you know uh, they they don't they don't look at things the same way we do you do know, the, the asia versus the western world right and they mm-hmm. don't look at things the same way so you you kind of learn from that uh and then you know of course in the the islands people are way more laid back than we are (laughs)
1: Mm, mm, mm.
0: Uh, so i mean every single culture is different and and the most fun was when you work with different cultures at at the same time in one place uh you have to kind of you have to compromise because you, you you know everybody has a different culture so and you're living together so you you have to respect each other's culture this is a very interesting uh, way of of learning how to be around people and and uh, how to how you know how, how you want to be you know when you grow up. But uh, that that experience was amazing because it's kind of like a little bit of the idea what's in the states. You have a lot of cultures in your, in the compared to Europe. Europe, it's you know like France, it's one mostly one culture. But in in US you have a lot of people from a different culture. So it's kind of a similar experience, but it's in a smaller community.
1: Yeah, I I have never experienced anything like that. i people like yourself have had a chance to, to talk to people who've who've lived in these places, um, you know, at my at my church, people who've visited some of these countries and been been a part of some of the communities. And, and it's in the one thing that you hear is how, how um embracing some of these people are. Of people coming from di- from different cultures and how they enjoy um, hearing what your background is. do you have that same feeling from these people, like wanting to learn more about your yourself and where you come from?
0: Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. And you know, I think well, you learn from them and they learn from you. You know, that's uh, mm-hmm. we share our experiences uh, and you hear stories from them. Uh, so yeah, no, definitely. And it's, you know, and, and the world we're living in today when everything is technology and you have, you know, everybody's on their phones trying to, you know, on social media, trying to live, you know, I I kind of look at it as my experience. We didn't have the technology. I didn't have to go and post a picture of me, you know, in the Bahamas or Morocco or in the desert or wherever I was. I didn't have to do that. I was there. I could enjoy Mm -hmm. it. Mm. Yeah, it's about posting it and you get rewarded by getting likes or whatever comments. It's a different way of looking at things. And, and, and so that's why I want to share the travel with my, my, my family with my kids, Mm. because I want them to really enjoy that, that part and grow by, you know, becoming who they are by learning that. Uh, it's, it's, you know, it's, I think it's very, it's kind of a, you know, uh, it's kind of what people are going through on, through their phone, but I, you know, I went I did it for real.
1: Yeah, it's, I, I, I'm probably guilty, guilty of that in, in terms of snapping that picture. But you know, I, it, it's funny that a lot of what I do, I don't put myself in the picture. And, and, I, and there might be some kind of eye rolls happening as, I, as people listen to this, but I really don't. I try to just take the picture of that moment so that when I can look at the, the picture a year later, it It brings back the memories for me yes. um and, you know when I was on that when I went on that cruise a couple of years ago, we're going in November um almost all the pictures are just of the ocean and and the sights and some with the family, some of me, but really the most of them are just um what we were experiencing, and I'm so glad I did it because things were shut down for so long. We weren't able to experience anything like it for, for so long. Um, it was almost like a, a saving grace for me over the pandemic, being able to re-experience in some way uh, some of the things that we, we saw, whether it was whether it was the beautiful views out in uh, Provincetown or up in Maine or on that boat, whatever it might have been. So, but I'm I'm with you. I think people lose lose the moment. We talked about our kids, you know, being in the moment. And I think right. again, I right. probably have some guilt on that, but
0: yeah and and I mean you can you take pictures when you travel. I'm not saying you shouldn't what I'm saying is mm-hmm. is people that are just trying to show people they only post the pictures because they want people to to react to it. it's just yeah. different it's you know uh, but yeah and I mean I have a lot of pictures of my travel even from the you know from you know, they were not digital cameras but i have pictures
1: <laughs> yeah i know i i get what you're saying i get what you're saying, what you're, saying you're talking about more of like so socializing i think that's why what you're where you're and i i totally i totally agree with you so before we get before we move forward to the hotel because i feel like your whole your whole hotel tra- uh, um experience or journey is a whole different conversation but i, I want to touch on as much that as i can um on in your bio you mentioned you were a a Microsoft network network engineer talk about what it was like to
0: have that job yeah when I, my wife and i uh so gosh we after we uh we got married so gosh we speak, we skipped a bunch of stuff there but um i came back to the states and we got married in Connecticut. my wife is from Connecticut. that's why i'm here she's the boss <laughs> And we went down to Orlando to work on a flying trapeze. Um, and uh, sorry, I lost, where were we going with that? Sorry. I
1: no, lost. so actually let me, let me go back. Cause we can, we can clean this up. So, so you were traveling and then did you go from traveling to sort of being in Florida in Orlando or being a DMC? Is that, was it, was that your right, first time? Right, non-
0: yes. What? Well, so we, yeah, we went down to Orlando to work on a flying trapeze and then uh you know, we were getting older. It was time to to find a real job, and uh I had an opportunity to work for DMC. So I started selling. uh You know, I kind of put all the skills that kind of I had together. I, you know, I was working for DMC, so I was able to uh, I was selling and producing. So I was able to be involved with anything that was you know sound, light, rigging. You know, we did a lot of subduesolite type events for corporate groups. So I was you know it was my was my cup of tea you know I was able to, I was able to be a one-person band you know to to be able to do all this um and and so that that's when I started to really sell become a, a salesperson and uh and then we moved back to Connecticut and had the opportunity to work at Mohegan and became, you know, be, uh, went to Mohegan first with, the, they had a DMC there and I worked with the DMC first and then moved to Hotel sales. And that's when, look back from there, that's when I became a Hotel Sales professional. And uh, I learned everything from my mentor, which I met there from Hilton, Chris Perry, which you know. <laughs> and then moved on from there.
1: So, And just so people can appreciate what a DMC, because you kind of covered it sort of quick, a DMC, their, their functionality in a lot of ways is to those big pre- meetings that you may go to for your company or, your, or an association or whatever it might be, uh, conference, they're the people that sort of bring everything to life in some right. ways, you know, especially the events that are happening outside of the hotel or get right. you where you need to get to. That's what they do, and doing that in Orlando, I think that's probably one. Of, I could, in Orlando, that's got to be one of the most competitive um, industries is being a DMC. Well, yeah, Orlando. there was
0: a lot of DMCs. I mean, I had to go in the Convention and Visitors Bureau's book to find out which convention was coming, and I would call every single one of them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then you talk, you know, you talk to them. Yeah, DMC, so destination management company, uh, basically, they take care of everything but the the, the accommodation and the meeting space. And uh, if you have a need for car, you know, for transportation, meet and greet, uh, entertainment, um, for for events, uh, that's what you know. That's what a DMC would do. Definitely. So
1: yeah, and, I, and so I want to I want to get into um your your sales evolution from from um, from the from the casino to where you are now. I want to do that in a second, but so let's kind of I want but I want to rewind. So you um. So you 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 join the casino. That's where you start getting in, into sales. You, and your mentor uh, is, is is Chris. So start start with sort of um, y- your involvement in sales and how you gravitated towards sales because it's different than everything you've done before. You, for the most part, you were in you were you were more in operational positions. Right. So you go from being in operational positions to now putting putting those events together to bring those people together so talk about that change and um why you you stayed with it as long as you have uh
0: you know the hospitality industry i think i've, I've been in the hospitality industry all my life uh when when they think about it i mean when i were you know uh, i grew up in the alps it's a resort you know we have guests coming every winter and summer to have experiences and i was you know i was uh I was doing that. I was, I was welcoming guests and I was making sure they had a good experience. And same with Club Med, you know, resorts, hospitality, uh, trapeze, same thing. You know, we're performing, but also sometimes we have people come in to try and we would be like greeting them and helping them, trying to do trapeze, kind of hospitality a little bit. So the hospitality, you know, it's always been, to me, it seems like it's always been the same. Always trying to help people and, put, you know, give a, good, a great experience for people, and selling, you know, selling uh, either what well, it was the you know an, an event or uh, production to a to a corporation or an association for an event, or just selling you know a hotel and a meeting space, a destination for a co- for a corporate meeting or an association meeting, or um, it's the same idea, and it's just a relationship you build with those people. It's. It, uh, You know, not not only with the client but also with your peers. You know, from other hotels like we did with 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 you and uh, with Hilton. Uh, It's such a great experience. It's such you know, um, and and it's it's very rewarding. I mean, you know, uh, you you get people to trust you. People are looking to to give. You know, when they plan a meeting, they plan a meeting for a purpose, you know, and they're looking to get some ROI from it. And there's a lot of pressure for people, you know, uh, in the company, within the company, for instance, for that person looking for the right venue to, to provide what the executive is asking for. And, and you're here to provide them with a solution. You know it. And, and when it, everything comes together and they trust you, you build a relationship, they trust you with, with, the, with what you have to offer and they sign a contract with you and you, 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 go, you, know, you go with them along the way. You, you, not get, you don't really get involved with the operation, but you're just there because you, know, you sell yourself as well, right? Uh, and then and when everything is completed and everything was a success, it's very rewarding. And then you build those very strong relationships with those people and, and you take that with you wherever you go.
1: Well, I find it interesting that at least two of the positions that I'm aware that you worked in, whether it was Mohegan or in Chicago, you worked in some pretty highly competitive situations of, right. throughout the country. Probably two of the most, arguably in Chicago, and, and, and working at any casino, but specifically that one. Um, how did your experience with what you would, what we talked about for the first part of the show? How much do you, do you lean on that? for what, for your, within your sales experience and that kind of competition?
0: Uh, so for me, it was, uh, I was different. You know, it's about, you know, a good example. You know, when we used to do sales calls, uh, are you still doing that? <laughs> yeah, we we are back to doing sales calls. Yes. And uh, and we would, let's say a good example is, let's say we, you know, you would, you would, You were with me, so you what? Hilton's of San Diego. I was Hilton's of Chicago before I was at Hilton of Washington, D.C. Then we have somebody from the Hilton's of San Francisco. We have somebody from the Hilton's of uh, New Orleans, you know, uh, New York and so on, right? So let's say there's like uh, eight of us and we represent 15 hotels, right? And we would go to uh, an office in New York City, And, and, and basically they tell you, you have two minutes to do your presentation (laughs) because there's so many of us and they don't have time. And, you know, and then you look at them and they all look, you know, they all falling asleep while you're doing your presentation. And, (laughs) And, and what I used to do is people would be up there and be like, okay, this is my hotel. This is how many sleeping rooms we have. This is how much space we have. And people don't care. And what I would try to do is I would try to be different. I would, you know, I would say, You know what? My name is Flo. Uh if you think Chicago, the only thing I want you to do is think Flo and give me a call. You know, that's the only thing I wanted to know. I wanted people, you know, for me it was important that they would think of me. And and because I would take advantage of the fact that, you know, I'm aware that I have an accent. I'm aware that but I also am aware that that I you know I've done I have a I have stories that I have to tell. And and those stories were were very helpful for me to build those connections at the beginning because like you said, it's so competitive that they see so many of us that mm-hmm. you know it's oh it's one more sales guy, right? But you have to to separate yourself and be different, and 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 they have to remember you, and mm-hmm. and so that's I think that's part of what makes me successful is is trying to be different and trying to uh, to to you know you had to somehow catch their attention
1: yeah I, you know what I mean, we go out of our way not to bring the pandemic into this uh, podcast. But I will say this when because I was one of the few of us who wasn't furloughed on our sales team, um, not not you know to be working. And one of the things I took away within probably the first thirty days was people, people people buy from who they really have a personal connection to. And um, I felt right away the people that I had that personal connection with, over those first three to six months of the people that I feel like I worked best with. It was really hard conversations we had to have. And I won't go into specifics. It's not necessary. But um, my point is, is that you do get to know these people versus you're not just a, you're not just a hotel with a, with a big popular name on the top of it, um, with the really cool whatever it is that's inside of it. You're, per, you're you know, you are who you are. And that's how the, who these people, in my mind, gravitate towards and want to work with. And I saw that over and over and over again during, during the pandemic. Um, and those are people who I didn't have as much relationship with. I, I could sense it. And I used that time where it wasn't as crazy um, in our schedule to, to try to take time to get to know them, whether it was doing video chats like we're doing right now um, or, or different, different ways. Obviously I couldn't see them in person for a while, but I, I, I agree with you. Man. It, it was so strange being, it is strange still to be in some of those um, presentations and, um, You know, you got 30 seconds to talk about something normally probably would take 10 or 15 minutes. And then, uh, but what's funny is the part of this is sometimes you'd be on there for a week. So you'd be doing these for like four days. (laughs) So by the fourth day, man, and you could, I don't know, it's so hard to hold it, hold it together. But um, yeah, I I agree with you 100%. But,
0: uh, you know, I want to finish saying that. you know, you build all those relationships and those relationships are, are true. They, you, you become friends with your, with, your, with your clients. I hate to use the name clients because it doesn't feel that clients, it's friends, those are, those are friends. You build those relationships, they become friends and you build that trust. And then when I say you take that with you everywhere you go, and then you have that relationship with those clients and, and then they will trust you moving forward. It doesn't matter what you're selling. They will come with mm-hmm. you. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, and 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 again, so it was an opportunity for me too to, you know, uh, as I was traveling before and meeting meeting people, that was another way to do the same thing in the in in the job now, but still meeting a lot of people.
1: Yeah. So let me let me um, ask you this: for uh, people coming, kids coming out of college, or people changing careers and going into sales, what is some other than some of the things you've mentioned in terms of that? connecting on that personal level, what are some, what is some advice you'd give to someone going into any kind of sales for the first time?
0: Out of college. Yeah. Um, To be be true, to be true, you have to be honest. You have to be yourself. You cannot be, you cannot be somebody you're not. If you're trying to be somebody, if you're faking it, if you're trying to be somebody you're not, it's not going to work. They're going to see through it. You have to be. You have to be yourself, and you have to tell the truth. You cannot lie either. You always tell the truth. Um, some some people, you know, you have a lot of salespeople people that lie because they want to make the sale. Uh, yeah. You know, like for instance, so oh, am I going to get this if I sign with you? And the guy will say yes, just to get the signed contract. Uh, the way we, you know, if you want to build a relationship, and if you want, if you want the people to trust you and stay with you during your career, you have to show them that you have to build that trust. And that trust can only be built by telling the truth. And even if it's the truth is not fun to tell, and it's not what you want to tell them, you have to say it. You may lose a sale by telling the truth, but they will respect you for that. And then you'll get, you know, you lose this one, but you'll get two others after that. Uh, so it's a beginning, be honest, be yourself, be truthful and and believe in what you're selling. Because if you don't believe in what you sell, you cannot
1: sell it. Yeah, agreed. Agreed on. Agreed on both. Be 100. Be be yourself. Be who you are. And we talked kind of about that earlier. And I know what know what it is you're sounding. Or you know, the brownie, the brownie. <laughs> well, you know what's funny is that I think I honestly think it's funny that you say that, Flo, because I, that you know you were telling a few minutes ago about how you would take advantage of that little snapshot of time that you had with these clients to to just. Tell them something that might make them laugh, and I love that strategy. By the way, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start. I'm going to start using it again because I think it's a great one. I think that's when you told the brownie story. I think that's yeah. when you told the brownie story. I think that's the tweet you told you grew up in the Alps. I think that's you somehow just said, "Look, I'm going to just tell about myself." And I think I think that's that's fascinating. I think one of my one of the things I tell people, you know, any anyone going into sales, oh, I don't care if they've been in it for 20 years, because people don't do it, even the most experienced and the best salespeople that I know, is following up. Follow follow up every single time because there are more people that will spend 20 minutes on the phone with a customer and not remember to call back and then that customer's talking to their competition next so that's my my personal to do Yeah
0: it. and and the follow up is tricky too no I mean you're right you're 100% right the follow up is a bit tricky in a sense that you don't you know I'm not a pushy sales guy I don't, you know and I hate I hate pushy sales guys and and you want to be respectful Uh, So the follow up is tricky in a sense. Yes, you have to follow up, but you have to be uh, respectful of, you know, the the one thing you forget to say is Chris Perry will tell you that (laughs) you have to ask the question, you know value engagement. When is a good time for me to follow up with you? You know, you have to, uh, you have to know, you have to ask those questions. You have to know exactly when, what the decision process is going to be. You have to have an understanding. It's not just about following up. You have to have the understanding of the the decision process. You know, what's this decision process? What's next? After you're done with me, you know, what's the next process? Who's you know, what are you doing? Are you seeing other hotels? Are you seeing other people? Uh, Who's making the decision? What's the timeline? When is a good time for me to follow up with you? Uh, and stuff and so on. So, you have to follow up, but you have to have all the information you need to know to do a right follow up.
1: No, agreed, agreed, hundred percent. So, I want to give you a chance to talk a little about what you do now. So, share with us a little bit about Waters Edge Resort Resort
0: and Spa. And Spa. It's a lovely place, very beautiful. Uh, I, you know, it's a it's a jewel in Connecticut. I, it's I'm only thirty five minutes from here from there and um and you know interestingly enough my wife and i went there to celebrate one of our anniversary years ago and uh and i never get never went back um and it's just and interesting enough a lot of people in connecticut don't even know it exists so that's my as a a director of sales and marketing there's kind of my goal to make people aware of who we are uh it's right on the water uh we, you know, it's, it's a resort, uh, it, it's, it's, a it's, it's, um, and it, so there's meeting space, we, you know, we do meetings, we do, we do a lot of weddings, um, we do a lot of different kinds of events, and also they, they, they have, um, so we have a combination of guests between, you know, so between corporate, association, social, and then we have transient business, uh, le- leisure, we have timeshare as well, uh, so there's a there, you know there's, there's a lot to do there uh, a lot of people a great place we have uh, outdoor restaurants outdoor bars we have a bar on a beach um we have beautiful villas those are two bedroom suites uh, overlooking the water which basically the sound it's not the ocean it's the sound because you can see long island from there yes. uh and so yeah it's it's a beautiful place um Lot of so look look it up what is it resort you spell it out completely and uh it's a great place to go on vacation even for a few days a couple of days we have a spa as well you know resort and spa beautiful spa very, spa is very busy people are you know after covid people are really enjoying uh, being able to get out there and just mm-hmm. to start living again so that we've been very very busy
1: yeah, I I agree. Man. My I, we were on sort of two and a half weeks of vacation, different different places, and we went up to Portland, and we went to um, a spa there, and it was my wife and I. It was jammed, and we we had such a we had we jammed and like this was busy, it wasn't you know it was relaxing and nice and all that stuff, but it was uh, it was beautiful. So tell me where in Connecticut the resort is.
0: It's in Westbrook, Connecticut. So it's, uh, it's off 95, I-95. Uh, it's kind of between uh, New New Haven and, uh, and, uh, uh, and Waterford. Um, so, yeah. And so it's, yeah, it's very easy access from, you know, not far from New York city. Um, it's very easy access from, you know, from anywhere in Connecticut or even from, you know, Massachusetts or, New York, New Jersey. We have a lot of people, you know, from the the New England coming to us. Um, And a lot of, again, a lot of people don't know who we are, uh, which is very, very... So we we have a lot of presence on on social media. Both, you know, we have uh, on Facebook, Instagram. uh, And then, you know, uh, like I said, check out our website. There's a lot of uh, information on the website. We have live entertainment uh, every night outside uh we have we expanded the patio so it's a beautiful view of the water uh, and then we also have comedy tonight every wednesday night we have comedy and then uh, you know it's a we are uh all year around resort so we don't just operate in the summer we also open in the winter and we we have entertainment we do tribute shows in the winter on the saturday nights we have comedy shows on fridays uh so we do we're trying to keep it you know to do a lot of things to to attract people and uh we open all year round we have a, we have a pool indoor we have two pools one outdoor one indoor and of course you know during the the winter we use all the the amenities that we have to offer inside
1: well Flo, i'm gonna have to contact your friend for friends and family over the week. weekend that's yeah. so all i can uh, did i sell wife. you on it <laughs> and i'm gonna take my wife and enjoy it so um so for we we appreciate your time. I say we the, the three guys on behalf of Derek and Brett. But before we before we go, I want to. Um, well, before we have a chance to have you talk about your, your beautiful family, I want to um, I want to just have a little more, more more fun with you. A couple more kind of pick ones, as I like to say. Um, so the the um, the lottery right now is almost a almost a billion dollars. I don't know if you know that the lottery is almost a billion dollars. One of the
0: uh, yeah, games. I heard that.
1: So if if you were to win it, if you were to play it and you would have win it and money wasn't an object for you, um, and your family could go with you, of all the places that you've lived, all the places that we've talked about, um, would you go to one of those places and, and live? In, or would you stay right where you are?
0: Oh, I would probably stay where where we are. Uh, but we would probably travel a lot more. <laughs> I want to take uh, <laughs> the nice next week. trip. No, I, you know, I have everything I want. I. I don't need more. I'm I'm content. Uh I'm so lucky. I'm so happy. Uh, my family is amazing. I love them all. Uh very, very lucky, very fortunate. And you know, the, the the trip we were talking about next, actually we were just in Montreal. you know, we're trying to do something that was telling you. We just went to Montreal a couple of weeks ago to see the Formula One Grand Prix. So that was very, very cool. Um Especially my daughter didn't care about Formula One, and all of a sudden she got really hooked to it. Which was great. Sure. Um And uh, well, our next trip, we want well, we uh, we went to Arizona earlier this year, but uh, we I want to take them to the south of France to Saint-Tropez. I used to go to Saint-Tropez on vacation every year for three weeks, and I've never taken them down in you know, it's in Provence, basically south of France. Um, and we want to do that. Uh, there's a lot of places we want to go to. I want to take them to Morocco. Uh, we want to go to Italy, Spain. Uh, so we have a lot of trips to do.
1: Well, with all that so money, that, we, with a billion dollars, you do can that. go, you, with a billion dollars, you can just keep spinning the globe. Right. <laughs> and bring that guy that, from Morocco, bring him like 10 globes. so he can... Well, I would I would <laughs> take
0: the money. Yeah, I would take a lot of that money to Morocco to give to those that are not so fortunate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was telling you earlier, there's, there's a lot of poverty there. So it's, you know, it's very rewarding to, you know, to help them when you're there, when you help them how you can, you know? yeah. uh, but it really feels like you 400 years ago and it's very surreal,
1: yeah. So uh, last question for me, um, if, if being a chairpiece artist was the number one most intense thing you've ever done, what would be the, the second most intense thing you've ever experienced?
0: Hmm. I think adrenaline, that's you know, the word I'm about to. Uh, I think being in, being in front of the, being on stage, being in front of the crowd. And, and you know, there's a story I didn't tell, but it reminds me when I went to the Bahamas the first time and I was in a sound booth, 1994, there was this guy on stage, He was the MC and he was having people do the, we call that the crazy signs. So there was the dances and he was the MC and he was on stage. And I was like, I couldn't understand what he was saying. Half of what he was saying. And I was like, you know what? I want to do this. And I came back two years later. I was the guy on stage doing that. And not only I was doing the crazy signs, But I was also uh, a country line dancing instructor. I was, uh, I learned how to do country line dancing and I was teaching country line dancing. And, and I was doing that. So in addition to being on stage as a performer, I was also an MC. I was, and, and, and this is a rush too. I mean, being on stage and, and, and doing all that is so much fun too. Definitely. So that would be the second one. So I, performing, performing is,
1: performing is what it is. <laughs> yeah. So Brett, so Brett, um, who's one of the three guys is an actor. Um, in our most recent episode we had, we had Steve, I think it's because name is Steven Blackwood. Um, he was most recent guest. I just listening to his story and hearing talking with Brett yeah, being, being an actor, how, how, how intense, how intense it is. Uh, I, I can, I can uh, totally appreciate what, what what you're saying. So, um, but thanks again. Oh, please. Your family. Please talk about your family.
0: So um, my wife, Amy, is uh, so he was she, she's from Connecticut and uh, she she has a full time job as a nutritionist. Uh, we have two kids. Uh, Jean, JP, Jean-Paul, my son, is uh, going to turn 15 in a couple of weeks. And my daughter Emily is going to turn uh, twelve, gosh, uh, in September. So uh, we're enjoying every moment of it. Uh, every, you know, they are they growing really fast, and trying to stop time so that we can enjoy it more. But uh, we're having a blast, and uh, we're very, very lucky to be here.
1: Well, f- Florent Fuglereuse. <laughs> Bad. <laughs> we appreciate you joining us. Um, what an amazing journey. there's probably so many other things that we didn't cover, but if we do, if we do do that, uh, I'm not going to call it luxury travel. If we do the experience travel episode, you are half, you're going to, you're going I'm going to require you to be a part of it. So, um, hang out for a minute if you can. So, so appreciative of, uh, of you joining the three guys, podcast, BNAS business chats. And, uh, we're going to have oh, you thank back you.
0: soon. Yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, thank you for asking me to do this. It, it means a lot. Appreciate it.
1: Yeah, well, you're welcome back anytime. And uh, thank you to all of our listeners. We appreciate, um, I think, 4,500 downloads we're at right now. And we have some great presence on uh, Facebook and Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. And we're growing. And we have a, uh, a, a website that's going to be getting launched, hopefully, within the next A couple of weeks, where we're going to kind of use that website to put a lot of our stuff on so that people can kind of go to one location and find uh, not just obviously our podcast but some of the other stuff that we're we're working on. So thank you again for um, all the support from everybody over the last year plus. And stay tuned for some more exciting episodes from the Three Guys podcast. Thanks again, Flo. We appreciate you joining us tonight. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of the three guys podcast. We appreciate your support for additional exclusive content. Please follow our three guys YouTube channel. And of course, all of our social platforms to include Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Again, we're appreciative of all the support. Thank you.